We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. Once again, it is the Field of 68 Best Bets podcast and Best Bets live stream. We had to wait a couple minutes here because Goodwin was in the middle of breaking some news. Auburn transfer Justin Powell announced that he is committed to Tennessee. Jeff, what's going on, man? We have a special guest today, the one and only Jordan Sperber from Hoop Vision. Jordan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Thank you guys for having me. I've been I've been listening to the live streams all season, so thanks for having me. Yeah. Hopefully, Rob hasn't been too annoying, and you know, <laughs> I, I tried to hold down the fort here. And the great thing, Jordan, is uh, we got you on today, which is good. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have plenty to talk about Rob and I after tonight's games, and then we got like two more, and then I don't have to see Rob again for months. Months. <laughs> It's going to be like caffeine withdrawals, man. You're going to be walking around with a little bit of a headache, kind of having the shakes. By the way, by the way uh, I'm wearing this finally with pride today. It's Arizona sweatshirt. Uh, the Arizona women's basketball uh, team, if you didn't know, uh, is off to the national title game, Robert. So, uh, yes. I don't know. I, don't know. I, did, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're – was there a game last night? I don't know. I must have missed it. And, and it was more entertaining than any any men's game so far this year. The women's the women's final four awesome. always delivers. Yeah. It always ends up being like there's there's True. tension, there's upsets, there's always something crazy that happens yep. in the women's final four. And also, can we just shout out Adia Barnes? Did you see that video of her awesome. afterwards? She's the awesome. team Fuck everyone. The birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that that's Goodman after he doesn't get a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan. Before we before we dive into these matchups, just give it. I want you to explain a little bit what you do, um, the company that you run, the business that you run, and the uh, the website that you run because it's really good content. And so, uh, sell yourself. Let the people know. Yeah, thanks. My my business is called Hoop Vision. I was a D one staffer, a grad assistant, and a video coordinator at Nevada, New Mexico State for three years. And after I left um, those jobs, I, I started Hoop Vision as kind of like. Um, the, the initial idea was like the internet's video coordinator. Uh, so doing a lot of the same stuff that I did on coaching staffs, but on all the different platforms, I have a podcast, a YouTube channel, Twitter, all, all of that. Uh, and it's kind of evolved. Um, but it's a lot of X's and O's in analytics, basically of, of the college basketball world. Yeah, it's perfect for, for this because you really dive into what is actually happening on a basketball court. Um, and I think my favorite thing 
about your site is that you do like all this great content and all these great breakdowns and all this great X's and O's stuff. And I think what everybody knows you for is the uh, the video you put together of coaches talking about how fast they play at press conferences. <laughs> yeah, and culture. I I uh, that's probably as soon as this final four is over, I'm going to get back on that grind of uh, of clipping up some press conferences. I, I already have. Yeah. I, I don't want to do the same, the same like culture again. It seems like, you know, I already did that. I have a couple ideas. I'm not going to say them yet, but I have a couple ideas. <laughs> you got to give the people what they want, man. You got to give them what they want. For sure, All right. For so sure. let's, let's dive into these matchups. Um, I want to start with, uh, with Baylor and Houston first, because I think this is far more interesting and you've done a lot of work on uh, Baylor's no middle defense and on uh, the kind of unique style that that Houston plays. So can you just kind of walk me through what do you see out of this matchup? How does Houston attack that no middle defense? And and, and what do you see happening in this game? Yeah, so I mean, like the, the easy way to explain Houston is just they're good at everything besides shooting, you know, like every, everything else. Um, and, you know, they're a little bit better than they were, let's say, last year at at, at, at shooting and scoring, but it's still not, you know, I mean, the Syracuse game stands out because that looked particularly ugly against their two-three zone. But they're kind of like that every game, <laughs> you know. Like it's that's that's how they function, and they they don't turn the ball over a lot, so they at least get shots up, and they offensive rebound at an extremely high level. Um, obviously, Baylor has been a little bit weird defensively this year. I think there was a time in in January or, or, or February around there before the COVID pause where they looked like the best defense in the country to, to me anyways. And I think they might've been number one on Kempom. At, they were, for, they were for, for a while. Short time. And then you also, you put, you put last year's results, which, you know, they were a little bit different with Gillespie, but they were good for the entire season defensively last year. Um, then they come back from COVID pause this year and they're just not as good defensively. They, they dropped in, in, the stats and, you know, just on film. And I don't think there's much reason to believe that they're that team, you know, like I, I, because of last year, because of the larger sample size, I, I, for my money, they have the best defensive players in the country. You know, it doesn't mean that you have the best defense, but they, they have the best defensive players and they have been playing a lot smaller um, this year. And just even later in the season, I think that hurts them a little bit. They, they gain it back with, on the offensive end uh, because they're, they're so, they're so good with uh, vital at the five offensively. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of I, that side of the ball is what I'm most interested in Houston's offense versus versus Baylor's defense. Um, if, if we even look ahead towards how Baylor wins it all, that defense has to be at that elite level, you know, that, to, to make a run at it for sure. So the, the one thing that I referenced, and I think that you picked up on this too, um, the first time that Houston played Texas Tech back in November, uh, Texas Tech and Baylor kind of have a similar no middle mm. concept when it comes to, um, yep. when it comes to the way that they want to defend. And what Houston basically did was kind of short little probing drives, uh, where you don't go all the way to the help, you force the the defense to rotate. You don't go all the way to help, and you let guys like Dejan Giroux and Quentin Grimes pick out the shooters on the perimeter and, and try to get an open look. And I think they were they up like fifteen to five on Tech or something like that early. Yeah, they, they jumped out. They jumped out to a lead. So, um, yep. do you see do you see Houston trying to do that again? Is that how you attack this Baylor defense? How would how would you do it if you were uh, Kelvin Sampson? Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Um, they. They really did dominate that game. You know, they ha- they they hit threes too, which is big for if, if they're making threes, then then that's tough. But part of it was the scheme, like you said, it was 
so the way Baylor and Texas Tech play defense is is they don't give you baseline, but it's pretty close to to letting you drive baseline. And then they come in aggressively. You know, Texas Tech especially takes so many charges down there. And so Houston was driving to pass, basically. They, they were taking one or two dribbles, drawing it, but they were looking to kick. And, I mean, a lot of teams try to do that, and it doesn't really work. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it did work um, in that Houston game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that they'll have a probably, probably five or six little quick-hitting sets, just like they did in that Texas Tech game. And then the other thing is, you know, Baylor's defensive weakness is the glass. Um, and I mean, that's, I can guarantee you that is all the coaching staff, both coaching staffs are talking about going into this game is we have to kill them on the glass. If you're Kelvin Sampson and all they're working on is, is boxing out right now. If you're uh, if you're Baylor. Um, but I think you're right about the, the X's and O's side of it too. So how, how do you think it plays out? And I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot and force you to make a pick on who you think wins this game. Yeah, what's the line? Uh, Baylor is laying five right now. Yeah, five. So I, I mean, I think that's about right. I saw I saw Ken uh, Pomeroy tweet earlier that his, the the market is higher, either higher on Baylor or lower on Houston than than his ratings, um, which is interesting. I've been a little bit higher on Baylor, I, I think, than uh, than because because of the COVID pause and all those reasons. Um, I mean, I think that the line's probably right, but if, if I had to, if you, if I had to pick a side, I'd pick Baylor, I guess. Hey, how, how, good, good? Jordan, how good is Houston uh, on the glass compared to everybody else, especially in the offensive glass? When you watch them, I mean, it's incredible. How the, Nineteen offensive rebounds in their last game. Um, where do they, where do they stack up against everybody else around the country? Yeah, they're second in offensive rebounding percentage, but number one is it was North Carolina, who is just so different. You know, they're just massive. You know, it's like kind of hard to hard to compare. Um, yeah, I mean Gresham in particular. It, when I was at New Mexico State, we had a player, Jamario Jones, who was first or second in the country in in rebounding percentage, and they remind me so much of each other, just like instinct, like Dennis Rodman type of rebounding. Jamario was even shorter. Uh, so in my opinion, he was even crazier, but, uh, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's a war, you know, like I, I I remember talking to, uh, to an American assistant coach before I went to make my Houston video. And like, he was telling me they're, they're doing rebounding drills on the day of game, you know, like beating on each other. It's just like, you, you don't really do that so much anymore. in in, uh, in college basketball and it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's become their thing, and especially this year, they're they're, they're second in the country. I, I was I was telling Goodman Jordan that they were. Uh, I think it was the, you, the video you had about Houston. Um, I don't know where you got the the tape from, but there's you had practice tapes of them basically doing Oklahoma drills, going for loose balls. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know why they put those out there. There's a couple of clips where it looks like people get significantly injured. <laughs> like, yeah, why, why, Often, I don't know why you put that. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's. It's real, you know. Yep. All right. So here's the big question, the million-dollar question. You're you're Mick Cronin, right? You got Gonzaga coming up. How yeah. do you stop them? How do you slow them down? What What's your game plan? How do you beat this team? Yeah, well, it's interesting. They they switched a lot against Michigan, right? That was that was kind of the game mm-hmm. plan, making Hunter Dickinson beat him in the post. Um and, and no one's really done that to Gonzaga, at least in the tournament, and not recently. Um, so, I, I mean, when it's a double-digit 
double digit spread like this, it can almost be overkill to really, really go deep into them. Like, let's acknowledge the fact that Gonzaga is a huge favorite, in, in my opinion. But that that, that being said, um, the the switching is interesting. So uh, Oklahoma against Gonzaga, they got super aggressive and they tried to hedge ball screens. And Creighton got kind of did the opposite. They got passive and they clogged the paint and they went under ball screens. And then USC tried to zone them. <laughs> and and so that's three different ways that three, you know, NCAA tournament teams have, have done it. And so I think that the fourth way that UCLA will try to do it is is with switching. And that's naturally going to put play uh, undersized players on Drew Timmy, which which could be an issue. And also – you know, you have to stay in front of Suggs. Honestly, I haven't seen the guards really attack mismatches that much this year for Gonzaga. They just keep moving and passing and cutting, and they're good at, at not reverting to iso ball. But Timmy would be would be the guy that probably does it more so than than Suggs or Nemhard or whoever. Yeah, the the problem with switching is that with Hunter Dickinson, if you have if you have someone like Cody Riley who's big and strong and not going to get moved off of his spot. Um, you just have him sit on Hunter's right shoulder. Like there was, it, he's he becomes very very limited because he's never he's never going to his right hand. It's like he yeah. doesn't have a right hand. It's like, um, it, it, he just he was completely ineffective in the post because he kept trying to get over his right shoulder to his left hand. I don't think you can do that with Timmy because I mean he's just I mean he, he was lighting up Evan Mobley in the post. He was, yeah. yeah he, he can do so much off the bounce. Like yep. that's what Timmy can do. Like Dickinson, it's like he gets in, he seals his guy. Like Timmy faces up, and he's so unorthodox with some of his moves. Like he, he can finish with both hands. He can. I don't. He's so hard to guard. Honestly, he's so he doesn't look the part. But like he's just so. The more I watch him, and I kind of had an argument with an NBA GM last week about it. I, I do think he's going to be a good player in the NBA. Is he going to be a star? No, but I think he's going to find his way in the league. He's going to continue to get better. He's going to expand his range. And, again, some of the things he, he just plays so damn hard, he'll find a way. No, I mean, the key I mean, is I, going to be the shooting, right? Like, if he becomes a 35% three-point shooter from NBA range, then he'll he'll yeah. be in the league for a while. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's the big – I don't think that you can be a guy that is a question mark defensively that can't protect the rim and that can't make threes and, and survive right. in the that. NBA. But if he yeah. if he's making if he's making jump shots, then it's a completely different story. Sorry, I cut you off, Jordan. But no, oh, yeah, I was going to say defense and defense and three point shooting. I mean, I I would think the form is a little funky, but I think that the three point shooting will will get there. Um, and I mean, he he's had somewhat of a jump there, even from freshman to sophomore year. But um, yeah, the the rim protection uh, is definitely kind of the the. The weakness in his game, but uh, he's so good offensively that you'd figure he gets a shot. All right, so my my take, and I was telling this Goodman the other day, my take on what UCLA needs to do is basically three things. You can't let Timmy beat you in the paint. You have to find a way to slow him down. Uh, you cannot let Jalen Suggs get downhill, get into the paint, and be able to just kind of drive wherever he wants to drive. And you cannot let um, Gonzaga get out in transition and be able to beat you that way. So if I'm Mick Cronin, this is the game plan that I'm putting together. Uh, we're taking 25 seconds off the shot clock before we get a ball up. We are sending at most one person to the offensive glass. Everybody else is going to get back. Uh, we are um, helping off of Nemhard and helping off of Ayayi. 
and basically saying, okay, if those two are going to beat us with, with threes, then they're going to beat us with threes. Um, and then that's the pack the paint. Don't let Timmy beat you. Don't let Suggs beat you. Don't let uh, them beat you in transition and boom, see what happens. Is that, is that what you would do is do you, and do you think that UCLA can actually execute that to the, to the point where they can beat this Gonzaga team? So that that's most similar to what Creighton did. And Creighton is by no means a defensive juggernaut. They were, they were a little bit better this year, but, but uh, yeah, they, there were, if you paused it during some, during some uh, possessions of, of the Creighton game, there were four, it was basically four players standing in the paint, you know, let daring AIE and Nemhard to shoot. And then one guy face guarding Kisper is basically what it was. And it looked good at times, um, but then what, what what went wrong in that game was, as as good as that sounds in theory, Gonzaga starts moving their players around. Kispert is now in the spot that should be the helper, and then they weren't executing the the sinking into the paint basically. And they all Gonzaga also adjusted a little bit. They are they are pretty good at. I mean, I'm I'm assuming they're probably expecting switches going into the game, yep. just like we were talking about with Houston having the a couple of some plays designed for um, Baylor Gonzaga will be the same exact way. Um, I guess the slowing down, slowing the ball down thing, Gonzaga will try to speed them up. If they do that, they had that little one, two, two press that they used the last game. That was really good at the beginning of the USC game. They'll, they'll try to speed them up a little bit. I think that's easier said than done. Um, but I, I guess I like it in theory. Yeah, and uh, so the thing about the Creighton game, too, was that if you're daring Nemhard and Ayayi to shoot and they hit five threes in the first, like, 12 minutes, then <laughs> you're in I trouble. Yeah. But I, I have no problem with them trying it. I have no problem mm-hmm. with saying, like, is not a great shooter. Nemhard's not – they made him against Creighton early. They did. They made him, and they were open. They were uncontested shots. I get it. But I would live with that early to me and, and hope that Suggs settles. He's not a great shooter either. He's streaky. Uh, the only guy, again, like if you can somehow, and you're probably not going to slow down Kispert, like, give everybody the threes and just see like if, if they have an off night, maybe you're there at the end. Yeah, I think the two of them wound up going exactly 40% in that Creighton game, Nemhard and NII combined, you know, and I mean. They made him early. They, they made, made him early. early. Was- yeah, right. yeah. Um, you know, they're they're slightly above average shooters, but when they get wide open shots, that's a, that's a little bit different, too. You know, I mean, right, right. But the 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 other thing that Creighton was doing was going under. I, I don't mind giving up those threes off the bounce like that to, to one of them. It's it's the giving up wide open catch and shoots to those guys. I, I don't know. But. You have to you have to give up you know after the game few said you kind of have to pick your poison against us and, and that's right I mean it's, you have to pick your poison yep all right Jordan well listen I appreciate you coming on um, I will uh, I tweeted out uh, your your Twitter handle I'll put a link in the YouTube video um, and you guys make sure you go and check out Hope Vision it's great content uh, you will become a smarter basketball watching fan if you consume his content so Trust uh, me. great having I, you here man up. I'm not a smart basketball watching fan, but when I, when I watch Jordan, I become one. I appreciate that, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Thanks Jordan. Man. Be well. Jeffrey.
That was, was good. good. That was good. I like Jordan a lot. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad his business is growing. He does great stuff. So always good to give uh, give guys like that, young guys in the business, uh, like you and him, uh, a, a platform. You know. <laughs> All right. So um, let's let's just do some picks real quick on on these betting lines and, and yeah. where you kind of are are standing at this point. And if anybody has any questions, fire them away in the chat because we have some time to answer some stuff. We got about twelve minutes here. So Jeffrey, I'm going to let you go first. Where are you on Baylor and Houston? Um, you know, on one hand, it, I say to myself, "All right, this is going to be a war. It's going to come down to the end. We got to have a close game in one of these two games, and it's not going to be Gonzaga UCLA." So I just feel like this has got to be it, right? But you know what I think of Baylor. You know what I think of this Baylor team, and and, and they turned it on the second half uh, the other day, and I think they have the capability to do that again if they're making shots. Um, but honestly, Rob, I think I'm going to take the points here. I think I am going to go with Houston, take the points, and just say this is going to come down to the end. It's going to be a close game, or even Houston backdoor covers on this one. I, I love Baylor. I think they're going to win the game, but I, I do. I'm going to take the five points here. I, I'm ho- I was hoping it would climb a little bit. <laughs> No, I, I made Borzella. <laughs> you, you made this entire. You made Norlander. You made the entire generation. I don't know about that, and it's not a. It's not a good thing. I mean, helping you three clowns. It's like helping the three Stooges. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. But, so you like, uh, you like Houston in the points. Um, I think I lean that way a little bit. Uh, the the big thing and the big issue that I have um, with. With the Houston side is I think there's a very real chance. Like because Houston's defense kind of dares you to shoot contested threes. And I think that Baylor is such a good three-point shooting team. There's a very real chance they go like 10 for 20 from three. Um, so I don't know if I necessarily want to be on a side here. What I like is the under. And I because I think this is just going to be like a physical grinded out game. Um, I would not be surprised to see if both teams had some of their better players in foul trouble in the first half. Uh, I think it's going to be low scoring. Um which kind of leads me to believe that it'll probably be something that comes down to the the final stretch because, if, I mean, if this game's played in the 60s, uh, the fact that it would be under five is something that seems pretty likely. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't love a side here. Um, if I, if you were going to force me to pick, I would probably take Baylor just because I think Baylor is the better team. Um, I do too. But, I do too. But I just feel like, again, Houston can muck it up enough. Yes. Yeah. No, I hear you. So that's why that's why I want to be on the unders because I think they're going to make it ugly and they're going to make it close. But I mean, if you want to, what you're doing by taking the under is basically saying I don't. I think it's going to be a close game and that Baylor's not going to make enough free throws down the stretch to be able to put it over the number. And I don't. I don't want to be in that situation. So um, I'm not going to be on the side, but I will be on the under in this spot. All right. Uh, he said, "Are they put, putting Mitchell on Grimes?" Kevin Jack asked. Um, the matchups for me for Baylor don't really matter because um, they switch so much defensively. So, like, they they might start out with Mitchell on Grimes, but it's the kind of thing uh, where they're going to bounce around. Jimmy B asks, is Jared Butler going to have a breakout game? At some point, he is going to. I know he has. At some point, he has. Crazy. I don't know if he does so, against these guys. I, I Like, I worry – you know, the one thing with Jared Butler going up against these guys, it's, I guess it depends who he's matched up on, but they're just so big, strong, and physical. Um, I, I don't know if, if this is a game. I feel like this is more of a Davion Mitchell game. 
than it is a Jared Butler game. But I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Jared Butler's got to get going at some point, and now is as good a time as any. He, the one thing with Jared Butler in his career, he's made big shots. You know, he's been a second-half player, and, and and he's had some really bad first halves, especially this season, kind of slept through them and, and, and come out and absolutely dominated in the second half. So I could see him doing that. He's so even keel, doesn't get rattled, doesn't force a ton when he could. You know, I think that's the great thing about this Baylor team is – and same thing with Gonzaga. Like, they both play for each other. They're not shot hunting. You know, Butler could easily do that to try to improve his draft stock. He doesn't. Suggs at Gonzaga rarely does that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Butler, depending on who he's matched up against, I, I think absolutely could have a breakout game. Uh, all right, I agree. Um, so let's talk about Gonzaga and uh, and UCLA. The points there are 14 and a half right now. The total is 145, I believe, over at Bet Rivers. Um, so let's go through that. And then I'm going to give you a couple props that I want you to roll through because, uh, river bet rivers has some actually interesting, um, player prop bets that, uh, that I really like. So, um, I'm going to let you go ahead first on this, this UCLA line. Um, is there any, what number does I have to get to for you to take the points here? 20, probably 20. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously though. Like I, I'm they, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. When it came out at uh, at, at minus 13, yeah. um, the, the, it opened – at Bet Rivers, it opened at Gonzaga Lane 13 and the total at 143. And I, like, literally jumped on that. I put three units on Gonzaga minus 13, and I I, I bet on um, on the over at 145. So I, I might I might throw a little bit more on the over, uh, and, and we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I, I think – Somebody called me control in the chat, Rob. Called you what? An effing troll. Whoa. I'm not. It's rude. I rude. I, I, thought profanity. It, I, thought, I thought it was like Leonard. Profanity in the chat. I thought it was Leonard for a second. T serve. Who's T serve? He's probably an Indiana fan. That'd be my guess. I don't know. Mark Titus. Know. Could be Mark Titus. Yeah, it could be Titus. Is that you? No, I think uh, he's live on the three by three thing right now. Anyway, yeah. So you're, there's nothing. There's nothing there that I can entice you with to, to try to get you to be on. Uh, I mean, again, like, how do you feel good about it? Like, you, you can't. Watching Gonzaga, you can't feel good about betting against them. Not not with UCLA. I mean, you know, the only thing you can say is, like, all right, yeah, UCLA, look at what they've done these last two games, right? Beaten, not just covered, but beaten Alabama and Michigan, two teams that we thought were capable of making a run, you know, maybe to the championship game or, or, or thereabouts. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just – I just feel like, again, they're going to be so overmatched. And we saw what Timmy did to, to that zone in Mobley. Like, I don't know. Can Cody Riley stop him? I mean, no. really? Like, I know he's big and strong, and Cody Riley's had that same body since he was, like, eight years old. But um, I don't know. I just don't know how. And Juzang, to me, like, he's played great. When is this ankle thing going to actually like wear on him and start to affect his shot? Like I wonder if it if, if it happens. You know, I don't. Tonight. I don't think. I don't think that it will. I think it's the kind of thing where you you give him enough Tylenol and, and yeah. ibuprofen and, and he plays through it. And once you like, once you get that kind of um, the the energy going and the adrenaline flowing, like he's he's not feeling anything. Um, all right, so player props. This is what I want to dive into. There's a couple that I think are really interesting. First and foremost. Um, 
for both Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy, they're the yeah. total points, rebounds, and assists combined. For Suggs, that number is 24.5. And for Timmy, that number is 30.5. And wow. I like the overall, I like the over on both of those. Yeah, I like the over on Suggs a lot. A lot. I, I know he had a quiet game last game, but I don't know. I, I feel like Suggs could get that just with points. Yeah, he could. He could. The the key is gonna be um if they're able to get out in transition because Suggs is dangerous in transition. And uh and look, here's the He's thing. He's so much bigger than Campbell. He's so much bigger yeah. than Campbell. Now maybe like I I don't know who they put. I don't know how you can put Campbell on him. Like I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, how I mean, you, you have to, though, because Nemhard will take Campbell in the post. And Ayayi is so great at moving off the ball and, and some of the off-ball cutting that you can't have him on there. I might live with – honestly, I might live with, with Nemhard on that one and put Tiger Campbell on Nemhard and say, like, all right, try. Try to take him in the post and we'll bring help. Yep. So I, I love the over on both of those. A lot of it is due to the fact that I also think that um, we're going to get a lot of easy rebounds for Suggs and Timmy because the uh, – the, the UCLA is going to fade the um, the offensive glass and just not even go after it. So I think we're going to get a lot of those Russell Westbrook rebounds. The other one I really like is the the Jaime Hawkes points over. Um, I think that Johnny Johnny Juzang is going to end up being guarded by probably Kispert. Um, and then what you're going to end up having is a situation where Jaime Hawkes, who is a little bit more of like a a three slash four than any of these other guys that. Um, that UCLA has will have a guard that is guarding him. And I think that he can kind of get a little physical and get a little overpowering and be able to score that way. So I like his over for points. What is it? What's the uh, Jaime? Well, I'm sorry. The Jaime Hawk is it's 12.5. Ooh, that's low. Yeah. yeah so I like, yeah. I like the over for points there. Yeah. Um, and then there's two things that I like in the, uh, in the Baylor Houston game. The first is Dejan Giroux's assists over four and a half. Um, we talked about this on the uh, on the the stadium show that we did, but just because of the way that that I think that Houston needs to attack this no middle defense that Baylor plays, um, I expect him to be able to uh, to to create a lot of open shots. And if Houston is making their threes, then um, yeah, I think I that gonna, it's gonna work. you think Houston's going to make more than you know four and a half threes in the game? Uh, yeah. I do. I think they're going to take a ton. So um, we'll I, think we'll I think they'll make them. Um, Goodman. T-Serve says, nobody takes Goodman's advice. We saw how much he knows. Are you an Indiana fan? Are you an Indiana fan? That's that's my only question for you. Because if, if you are, um, Brad Stevens should be showing up soon. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's um, the last – the last one I like is uh, the Davion Mitchell uh, points, rebounds, assists under. Um, that number is 21.5. I like a lot of the the player prop unders in this game just because of the, the fact that I think we're going to see a lot of fouls uh, and a lot of players that are in foul trouble. So a low-scoring game where some of the best players might not be playing the full uh, the full 40 minutes that you would expect um, is something where I kind of want to be on the unders there. And here's the other reason I like it, because I think that Dejan Giroux is like the one guy that that has a chance to kind of give Davion Mitchell some trouble because of his length, his ability yeah. to contest jump shots, and the fact that he might be able to make up ground and, and block something at the rim if Davion gets to step on him. So um, that's where I'm at with it. You like anything else? I'm going to look at all the, the player props today. Uh, what was the one that What was the one that we liked um, that was kind of funny? Uh, was how many times they show? What was it? How many times they show Clyde Drexler? It was or, a, or a king, or a king, 
their highlights. Yeah, or something Clyde Drexler Akeem. How many, how many of the times they show Clyde Drexler Akeem? I don't. I don't think. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know if Rivers has has that prop. Let me check. I got to find it. I don't know. Um, it it's one. somewhere. It's somewhere. It's somewhere on the. It's somewhere on their site. You got to. Yeah. If you dig around, there's there's plenty of places where you can find some really. Yeah, fun I'm gonna prop. go crazy on those tonight. I'm just gonna go nuts. Just because, especially with the UCLA Gonzaga game. I just need some rooting interest in the second half, so I'm just gonna go bananas on all the props. Yeah, just take the and fire at the overs. Like you, you got to take oh, yeah. the overs. Well, exactly and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the uh, the line's already moving. It's up to fourteen, or it's at fourteen and a half still, and the uh, the total is up to one forty six. So if you're gonna start oh. firing, like get on it now. If it get gets to twenty now. Yep. If it gets to twenty, Rob, you know, I, I, I that's my only way of taking UCLA. I'm gonna take the Zags and. Uh, they're loose. They're they're good. I, I think again, we just need that game on Monday. We, we need a Gonzaga Baylor game. What are you doing yeah. over there, Rob? Huh? You're making noise we, over there. I'm not. I'm not doing anything. All right. Don't you do like You're hearing things. I was getting to get ready to uh, to retweet something about how we're talking about how people are calling Goodman trolls, but uh, I decided not to because that we're about to end the stream. Anyway, Jeff, this was fun. Um, we are going to be back tonight for a post game show. Uh, I know Deshaun Butler will be with me. We'll see if John Fanta can make it. If he's whether or not he uh, he consumes his entire bottle of Merlot before he jumps on, we'll see. We'll find out. Um, and Jeffrey, hopefully, you can come back and get some pizza with us late night and and, and talk yeah, a little. It depends. If I got to right after the game, it may be too late. But maybe I'll jump in for a few minutes and you know in the stands at, at Lucas Oil. Do what you got to do. Always All a right. pleasure. We'll see you guys later tonight. Later, guys. Enjoy. When you make decisions for your company. You always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code program.